0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and for this opportunity that we have to be together. Uh, Thank you, Lord God, for the songs that have already been sung that we lift up to you. We pray that it's been a sweet aroma unto you, Lord God. And as these young people go to be and have time together in their uh, Bible study time and their time of fellowship, Lord God, be with them. Speak to them. Father, likewise, speak to us that we might hear from you. We might then obey you. We might honor you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. What's well, good to be back with y'all? How God bless you. Y'all doing well? Y'all enjoying today? Y'all enjoying the wonderful weather? Isn't it beautiful weather? Praise the Lord. As we look at John chapter 15, I want to ask you a couple of things, and I want to share with you a couple of things, and that is this. First of all, we are picking up in John chapter 15, we are picking up in a latter part of a previous message, and I just want you to know that that's okay. It's okay that if you and I are, are picking up halfway, because I believe what God wants to share with us today is this. He wants to encourage us to see why it's important for us to live as people of God throughout our life, amen? Have you ever wondered, have you ever asked yourself, why do you pick always uh, uh why do they always encourage us to read our bibles regularly have you ever wondered why pastors are always telling you well you need to be in church regularly have you, have you ever wondered why pastors and churches always encourage you to go out and tell your friends about jesus or or maybe to go and invite your friends to come and to participate with you have you ever wondered why we make so much effort in trying to encourage you to live out your life of faith. And I believe it's because of the word of God has been given to us in John chapter 15 that you and I are given an opportunity to understand what our role is to be like as people of God, what a true disciple looks like. And that's where we look at John chapter 15 in verses one through following. So look at the statement that's up on the board there for you. John 15 gives us a very clear picture of how our relationship with Jesus impacts our mission in Jesus and testifies to our true identity with Jesus. Your walk with Christ, your life with Christ is to be a testimony, is to be a billboard to those that are around you that you are disciples of Jesus Christ what I'd like for us to do is this. I'd like for us to look today at John chapter 15 and see why all the fuss? Why should we and why should we be the the examples of what Christ would want us to be in a world that does not know him? And what are the benefits of that? Because there are times in your life and in my life as people of God that sometimes we might think, is this really worth it? Should you and I really uh, live the life of faith? Should you and I really go walk around and and live as Christians ought to live? What benefit do I receive and what benefit do others receive? And I believe in John chapter 15, we get to see that. In fact, in verse number 8, the Bible says this, My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so to prove to be my disciples. So in John chapter 15, the Bible tells us and is sharing with us that the, the setting is a vineyard. Any of y'all ever been out to a vineyard or grow a vineyard in your in your backyard? <laughs> Isn't it beautiful to see those rows and rows of just grapes, right? Isn't it neat to see how you can walk down and there's, there's this large hanging grapes and you just pull from them and eat it? How wonderful is that, right? How tasty is that, right? Well, the Bible has given us a picture here in John chapter 15 of a vineyard. The owner of the vineyard is God the Father. He's the one that has planted this vineyard, and and the, the vine that is going through this vineyard is Jesus Christ. And this vine that is laid out in this vineyard has branches on it, and the branches are the followers or are the disciples of Jesus Christ. And what you and I know and understand is this, is that the purpose of a vineyard or the purpose of the vine or the purpose of the branch is to do what? To produce fruit, right? Not just to lay there. Yes, at times, maybe at winter or whenever the off season is uh, for grapes to grow, uh, it may look dead. It may look dried up. But as as the leaves begin to blossom on it and as the fruit begins to grow on it, when you look down the vineyard, you see nothing but beautiful fruit, right? That is the purpose of the vine. That is the purpose of the vineyard. In this particular passage, we're going to look at a couple of words that are going to pop out to us that are important for us before we get to the benefits of living out a life of discipleship. The first word that we see that pops out to us is the word abide. And the word or in your translation, it might be the word remain. It means to remain in the same place for a period of time, to remain and to stay and to reside, right? <clears throat> what we find is this: is that. When you and I find ourselves parked in Jesus, there are great benefits in it. Amen. How many of y'all have moved around a lot? Any of y'all moved around a lot? Many people that are in the military, they find themselves stationed at one place for a couple of years. They're stationed at another place for another couple of years. And throughout their whole uh, entire time in the military, they find themselves living from one place to another, never ever able to take up residence, right? many people might ask me, Gilbert, where are you from? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I was born in San Antonio, lived there for four years. When I was four years old, my family moved up to Indiana up north. And so we lived in Indiana, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then in Hammond, Indiana, three and a half years each time. So we were there for seven years. We moved back to Corpus Christi when I was uh, in middle school. And we lived there for, I lived there for about five years. And then after about five years, my parents got mad at me and said, hey, you got to straighten up. And so they moved me. They shipped me out to Louisiana. They said, go live with your older sister and her husband, who's a youth minister. And so I lived in Louisiana with my older sister, and I lived there in Louisiana for five years. And after that, I moved back to Corpus Christi, and I was there for a couple of years. And then something wonderful happened. I met my wife to be Liz. <laughs> <coughs> The day after we get married, that, that Saturday, we then move to Dallas. We're up there. My wife decides to have children by that time. And we have three children in, in the Dallas area. I don't know what happened. It must have been the water. We have these three children. And from Dallas, we then, after living there seven years, I was in biblical studies in schools. Uh, we moved from there to West Texas to a little town called Big Spring. In West Texas, we are living there. God is blessing the ministry. And then all of a sudden, next thing, God raises us up and moves us to Austin, Texas in June 1st of 96. So some people might say, well, Gilbert, where are you from? And I'm like, well, I was born in San Antonio. (laughs) And I've lived all the way around. I lived in Indiana, Louisiana, and also in South Texas. But I've been here now 23 years. Now, Austin is not not where I'm from, but where I've been residing at where I've remained for these number of years. So the Bible is important for us to understand the word abide and remain in these passages because it's going to help us to know that the reason why you and I need to be attached and need to be remained in Jesus Christ is because God wants us to do something with the life of faith that we have and what He wants us to do. He wants us to produce fruit in our lives. So that's why the pastor is going to exhort you. You need to come to church regularly. You need to read your Bible regularly. You need to tell people about Jesus regularly. You need to pray regularly. Why? Because he wants you to stay attached to the vine of Jesus Christ so that you might grow as a child of God. And in so growing, you might find yourself producing fruit that honors the Lord. Amen? And so what you and I are going to find out today is this. Is what is the benefits of you and I uh, uh, abiding and remaining in Jesus. Well, the number one benefit is this, and you'll see that on the slide. It is so that you and I, as verse number eight tells us, might testify to the world that is around us that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. The reason why you and I need to be uh, 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 put in place with Jesus Christ is so that we might be able to testify that we are disciples of Jesus and many times people find the word uh, justify or to be a witness to be a very scary thing right how many of you enjoy walking up just to strangers and starting to talk to them anybody how many of you are afraid of just going up to strangers and talking to them right remember I was sitting down in Walmart one time and and as I was sitting down there my wife was in in the section of Walmart she was shopping I said I'm just going to have a seat so I sat down I sat down on the bench and there was a young lady sitting next to me and I just said how are you doing there I said, fine. I said, are you from Austin? She said, yes. And just general conversation. Are you in college anywhere? Oh, yes or no, whatever. And then she stopped me. She said, are you a pastor? (laughs) (laughs) I I was wearing just regular clothes like you are wearing today. I wasn't doing anything. I was just like, I'm sitting here. Somebody's next to me. I'm going to stir up a, a conversation with them. The reason why we exhort you, the reason why you are exhorted by God in order that you might grow in your walk of faith, it is so that others might know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it's important for us to understand this, is that the things we do for Jesus don't make us a disciple of Jesus, don't make us a Christian, but the things we do for Jesus testify to others that we are a Christian. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourself; it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one should boast. And that's important because you and I become followers of Jesus Christ through faith and repentance in the person of Jesus Christ, in the work of Jesus Christ, in the death of Jesus Christ, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in the power of Jesus Christ, because of the blood that he shed on the cross from Jesus Christ. Amen. That's how you and I become a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ. And as a result of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, God wants us to live out our life in such a way that other people might know that we are his children, amen? So there are some markers. There are some markers that should be evident in our life that you and I are disciples of Jesus Christ. So let me invite you to open your Bible to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and let's look at verses 19 through 25, but I'm going to stop. There's two sections that I want us to look at. Verse number 19 shares with us what the person looks like that is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. And verse 22 then picks up what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Verse 19. Now these are the deeds of the flesh. The flesh is talking about a person that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, uh, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So these are markers of individuals that as they live out their life like this, just consistently in, in rejection of God's will, in rejection of God's word, in rejection of, of, of God, this individual does not tell other people that they're followers of Jesus Christ, does it? Someone who's a liar, a thief, a drunkard, someone who just doesn't care about what God would desire for them. When people look at them, they don't say that's a follower of Jesus. They say, man, that's a drunk. That's a wino, what they used to say in the, back in the day, right? Man, that guy's a thief. That's a marker of what they're seeing, but look here. What the Bible says is a marker for what a believer is. Verse twenty-two. But the fruit of the spirit is when it talks about the fruit of the spirit, it's speaking about someone who is a follower of Jesus Christ, the spiritual. As compared to the flesh, the one that is not. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Those things in verse 19 and verse 20 and 21, those who are followers of Jesus Christ have crucified the things of the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Do you see a clear distinction, right? Now, mind you, none of us are perfect. Is anybody here perfect? None. None of us are perfect, and as a result, because we're not perfect, we may find ourselves doing some of the stuff in verse 19 and 20 and 21. That doesn't mean that you're not a Christian, but the difference is this. If your focus is to live like the previous verses, then you need to check yourself. But if the focus is to live your life, like it says in verse 22 and verse 23, to bring honor to God, to to crucify the the ways of the flesh, then maybe you are a child of God because you want to honor God with your life. Amen? These are some markers. So the question might rise up that some people might say, why should we go and make such an effort in abiding with Christ and bearing much fruit Why should we mature as people of God? Why should you and I try to live like Christ? And why should you and I bear fruit? Well, very simply because look at verse number eight. The Bible says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Why should you and I live this way? Because God has commanded us to do so. God has commanded us. God has placed you in the family of God not to remain as an infant in the Lord but to grow in maturity and to be a testimony for him, right? How many married people do we have here today? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Don't be shy. Say, hey, this is my husband. Look how beautiful and handsome he is and how strong and young he is, right? If you're married... Do you ever testify to people that you're married, right? Yeah. How do you do that? Well, one simple way you do that is by, as Sister this. she rose up her hand, you show them your wedding ring, right? The ladies go, oh, look at the diamond he got me. Yes. yes. <laughs> that was a wonderful bubblegum machine he got it from. Oh, yes. yes. <clears throat> the, the way you and I testify to others or the way we tell other people that we're off the market, right, guys? Girls, we're off the market, right? Because we're married now as we wear a wedding ring. Did you realize that when you wear your wedding ring, you are announcing to other people, as God would want you to announce to other people about Jesus, you're announcing to other people that you are married, right? So as a result of that, they know to treat you in respect as a married individual, right? Maybe you know some individuals that are first responders. Do we have anybody that's here in a police or maybe EMT or we have some nurses that are here, right? Maybe some doctors, right? Do they sometimes wear uniforms, right? And whether they're, uh, what do they call those things? Scrubs, right? Blue or purple or pink or psychedelic colors, whatever it might be. It all tells everybody in the hospital, well, that person wearing purple is in this field, right? And that person wearing blue is in this field. And don't go with that guy in the white coat because he's going to lock you up in a nutty room. But no, no, whatever it might be, they wear uniforms, right? And the uniform testifies to everybody else, this is the type of first responder I am, right? They might even wear a badge. If you work at McDonald's or if you work at Jack in the Box or if you work wherever it might be, you wear a uniform, right? The uniform may be nice-looking uniform or you just may have a tag. But either way, you're telling everybody else, this is who I am, this is my job, right? Or if you uh, find yourself uh, 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 as an employee wearing the, the clothes, you don't tell your boss, well, I don't want to wear this outfit. They'll say, well, if you don't wear the outfit, you don't what? You don't work, right? I'll see you later, alligator, right? And so you go on and put on your uniform, whether it's made out of polyester or whether it's made out of whatever, whether it's all black or blue or purple, whatever the color might be, you put it on. Why? Because you're an employee, right? So if your life and my life is already dictated by us testifying to people that we are such and such, then why should we not also testify to people that we are disciples of Jesus Christ? Amen? You see, living the life of faith should not be an issue with us because we already do those things in our everyday life. And So the Bible says that God says, uh, you will prove to be my disciples if you bear much fruit. And my Father is glorified. So first of all, God commands it, but secondly, in verse number one, because God has conditioned us. The Bible says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean. Look to the person next to you and say, man, I'm sure I'm glad you're clean. You know, yeah, yeah, past you, man, you need have another bath, guy, you know aren't you glad that you're already clean? What does that mean? In John chapter 13, the Bible says this. Excuse me, Jesus was going to wash the feet of his disciples. And Jesus came up to Peter, and he began to get ready to wash his feet. And Peter stopped Jesus and said, no, 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 my Lord, do not do that. I am not worthy of it. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, then then, then what's going to happen is not complete. Peter says, no, 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 don't wash my feet only, but wash all of me. Wash all of me. (laughs) And what you and I find is this. Jesus then tells Peter, you're not in need of being washed all over, just your feet because you are already clean because of the word that you received from me. So the neat thing about this is that not only does God command us to live a life of faith, but he also conditions us, meaning this, God has already placed you in the vine or in the vineyard. He has already attached you to the vine. And as a result, you can live out a life of faith, not because of yourself, not in your own strength, but because of Jesus Christ and because of the power that resides in you through him. Amen? So you and I can have the opportunity to do what God has called us to do. So the Bible tells us that you and I should live out our life of faith, that you and I should testify to other people that we are children of God. So some people might ask this question. So what if I do all of this for God? What if I abide in him? What if I go to church regularly? What if I pray regularly? What if I tell people about Jesus regularly? So what if I do all this for God? What do I get out of it? What benefit is that for me? And the reality is this, is that your life and my life, or many times we build relationships based on the benefits of that, right? Well, I'm going to go work for this company because they give me life insurance, they give me a retirement plan, they give me a good paycheck, and they give me hours that I can work in, right? Or No, 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 I want to work over here because this job is right next to my house. In fact, I can telework. I can just go into my next bedroom, turn on the computer, and I can work from there. So the benefit of that job is what I want, right? So within our relationships that we have in life, many times we do that. We'll find ourselves, we'll say, well, what benefit is there for me? And many people that are believers in Jesus Christ do the same thing. Well, why should I go to church? Why should I do the things that God wants me to do? What benefit is there for me? Well, let me share with you what the Bible says in John 15. First of all, the first benefit that you and I see is this. Whatever you ask for, whatever you pray for, it will be granted to you in verse number seven. Look there, verse number seven. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, he says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So, is Pastor Al supposed to be listening to us right now? What time is it over there in the Philippines right now? About seven in the morning, six in the morning? Six in the morning. morning? Hey, Pastor Al, I'm not telling your folks that Jesus is a genie and that they can pull him out of a bag and rub him right just right and he will do whatever they ask him to do. I'm not saying that, Pastor. You're safe. There are some people that think that this verse is telling them, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The reality is this is that when you and I see a command or a promise from the Word of God, we need to check the whole Word of God to make sure we understand it uh, completely, okay? Because the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 14 and 15, he says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything, oh, anything? Anything, according to his will, he hears us. So what's important for us to understand is, yes, God hears us. God wants to answer us. God will answer us, especially as we ask in accordance to his will, right? And as you and I grow closer to Jesus Christ, as you and I stay attached to him, remain there, we get to know more about who he is and what he is and what he desires and what he desires from me. And our questions then will begin to be asked to him about what he desires, right? You know, one of the things that my my wife gets frustrated with me maybe about once or twice a year. Only once I she's just been blessed. She's just been blessed. Just playing. <clears throat> I'll ask my wife, honey, do you want ketchup on your hamburger or whatever? Whatever it is, mayonnaise or whatever. And she'll look at me after 32 years of marriage. Gilbert, how long have we been married? You know I don't want anything on my whatever, she, whatever it is, right? It's like, why ask me again? Don't you know me, right? Now, I don't know if I ask on a regular basis those things, even though I know she's going to say no, just to kind of irritate her, <clears throat> which I would never do that. But I, I do do it for one reason. One reason is because I'm hoping she'll change her mind and say, yes, honey. Well, thank you for asking. Put all the ketchup you want on there. Put all the mustard you want on there. Yeah, get it. Just pile it up. In fact, give me the whole carton. Just put it on there. When you and I stay with Jesus, when you and I remain with him, we'll come to find out the needs in our lives and we'll begin to ask him in accordance to his will. So that's why when Jesus says ask and it will be given to you, Right? Because what we're asking is what he wants for us to have. Right? For example, let me share with you a couple of prayers. These are two prayers asked two different ways. The first prayer goes like this. Dear God, help me to know your will in taking this new job or not. You know I have been looking for a new job, but is this the right one? Ask whatever you will. God says he's going to give it to you. Now, somebody could have asked, could ask God this way. Dear God, give me this new job. You know I need more money. You know my bills are so tight. I need a better paying job. They're the the same prayer, right? But they're just being asked in a different way, right? The first time, the first prayer focuses on the will of God, right? The second one focuses on our selfish need, right? You see, the person who stays closer with God, though they may not know what to say all the time, as they say it before God, the attitude of the request is so much in line with God. And God says, I got you covered. Or there's another prayer. Dear God, give me a forgiving heart. I know that Carlo hurt me the other day, but help me to be able to forgive him and not let it disrupt our relationship. Or the prayer could go like this. Dear God, punish Carlo. He mistreated me the other day. I didn't deserve it. You know me, God. I didn't deserve it. So let him know he did wrong. So do you understand? It is the same prayer. It's just ask in a proper way or an improper way. As you grow closer to God, as you stay remain with Jesus Christ, you begin to allow yourself to pray in accordance to his will. And God, it just frees up God and says, man, dude, I got you covered, man. And he goes ahead and he begins to give you what you need and what you want, right? As you abide in him, you will see your requests be more in line with him and giving God a much easier reason to answer your prayers. Because our greatest example is Jesus Christ, who was faithful to the Father, who obeyed the Father. In fact, he says, I do nothing on my own. All I do is what the Father tells me. I say nothing on my own. I only tell you what my Father tells me, because where God is, there I am also. And so the Bible reminds us that when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if it is your will, would you remove this cup from me, but not my will, your will, right? You see, Jesus in his humanity was just like all of us. Man, I don't want to go through this stuff, God. Check it out. This is just too much for me. Come on. If you, if you will, God, just take it away from me. But God, really, I want to do what you want me to do, and I'm willing to allow you to Take the lead. Likewise, he also was an example for us. What he said when he was there on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing, right? You see, the attitude of, of the example that Jesus gave us was in accordance to the will of God. For it's God who wants to what? Forgive us, doesn't he? And Jesus was in his pain and in his agony was saying a word of prayer. Secondly, the first benefit of you and I living a life of faith in Jesus Christ is that whatever we ask we will receive but secondly the second benefit of of living out a life of the child of God a life of a disciple is that you are loved by Jesus Christ look at verse number 9 just as the father has loved me i have also loved you abide in my love what happens is that the love of the father runs down through Jesus Christ, and comes into our lives. Isn't that neat? Isn't it neat that we are loved by God through Jesus Christ? Isn't it neat to know that we are loved by God no matter who we are or no matter where we have come from? The neat thing about Jesus Christ is this, is that as we abide in him, his love continues to abide in us. Think about that. You are loved. Isn't that neat? There are people that go throughout their whole life not being loved by anybody. Or they even might be married, but their their spouse doesn't treat them with any love. Maybe they messed up here. Maybe they ironed the shirt wrong. Maybe they didn't make the right food. And they get yelled at and they get chastised. The neat thing about it is this. No matter how many times we mess up, God still loves us. Amen? Isn't that neat? Young people, young girls and boys, they go through life wanting just somebody else to love them, right? Know this, God loves you. And God will love you throughout all of eternity. No matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter how difficult your life is. In fact, even as an enemy of God, God still loves you. Isn't that neat? How many times have we grown up through in life and and we've shunned people because they've wronged us? Now, I don't like them anymore. Let's go over here. Right? God pursues us all the time. Isn't that neat that God pursues us? Thirdly, what is the third benefit of living a life of a disciple? Number three is that the Father is glorified. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As we live out a life in Jesus, God is glorified. Do you know what brings the most joy to a parent's life or to a parent's uh, heart? It's not that their kids are successful. Yes, if you are successful in life, you have a wonderful business, you go, things are going well, your parents are happy for you. But you know what brings much, the most joy to a parent for with their child? is when that child spends time with them. Did you know that? They're just not some old folks that, oh, you don't know what's going on. Just go over there in your little seat and drink your milk, and you'll be fine. No, no, they want to spend time with them. So, yes, I understand my son now is married, and him and his wife have things to do. But you know what I like? I like it when he just comes over just because. I think it's because he's out of money, doesn't have anything to go buy for food. So he comes over to the house, he says, what y'all got to eat? But on his days off, from time to time, my son John would just show up. I'm like, dude, stay away. He's like, dude, you're my dad. (laughs) And he just spends an hour or two with us. The greatest joy that I have for my son is not that he has a good job, not that his wife is now married and so forth so on. Those are wonderful. But that he would spend time with us. And the neat thing about it is this is that I then point him out and say, yeah, that's my son, John. That's John Aaron. That's my big boy. And when people see him, not only do they say, sorry, John, you look like your daddy. Not only do they say, John, but they'll say, no, that's Gilbert's son. And I take joy and pride in that. When people see your life and my life, and they say, I see Jesus in you. Man, that just brings joy to God's eyes, brings joy to his heart, to where he just wants to say, mm, man, I just love that dude. Man, check her out. she got it going on for me. Thank you, Jesus. It just brings joy to him because he is glorified. They no longer see you, but they see the Savior in you. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? What are the benefits? What, how do you and I get benefited? Number one, our Father gets glorified <clears throat> so that we get joy in knowing that our child no, looks like and is like us. But likewise, the benefit of being, living a life of the disciple is this, is that you get to tell everybody in the world that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? <clears throat> Did you know that when you get baptized... You know, you get dumped in the water, and they hopefully they remember to bring you up, right? You know, like, hey, okay, time to get up. You're testifying to everybody that you're a child of God, right? When you live Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, verse 23, you are proving to people that there's something different about you. Do you know that? But if you live out verses 19 and 20 and 21, they're like, dude, you say you're a Christian, but you live like the world. You live like the devil. And they are thinking, man, you haven't shown me anything that you're a Christian, right? And so what happens is this, is that you lose the validation of what you're trying to give them. But if you live out a life abiding in Christ, bearing fruit, then you get to testify to others that, yes, I am a child of God. Now remember, you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But you live out or you work out your salvation now that you're a child of God by the things that you do for God. Thus, everybody that sees you, they see a Christian. So you and I need to understand is this, is that as you and I go forward in our walk of faith, we need to honor God, we need to love Him so that others might know that He is our Heavenly Father. The fifth thing, look at verse number 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment, and abide in his love. So not only are we loved by God, but we also get to remain in the love of God. Guys, husbands, any of y'all ever do something that aggravated your wife and made her really mad? Right? Uh, I I Just picture all the hands have gone up, Okay. Or or whatever. Ladies, your husbands ever make you mad? Did you ever make them go, don't answer this out loud, to go sleep on the couch? You've wanted to, right? What does that, what does that say? I'm upset with you. Over there. Right? <clears throat> no matter how many times we might, as people of God, that we might upset God, God's love stays in us. Isn't that neat? Not only does he love us, But the Bible says that His love remains in us. He will never divorce us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never give up on us. He will never stop being there for us. God loves us forever, right? And the neat thing about it is that as you and I stay abided in Christ, as we continue to live out for Him, He continues to show you His love forever. You and I are blessed with the love of God eternally. Isn't that neat? <clears throat> it was God himself that said when he made Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I will make him a helper. God saw that our the way we were made up was for relationships. And he knew that we were going to mess up our relationships from time to time, so he said, when I come into your life, <clears throat> I will never leave you. Isn't that deep? Doesn't matter how much you mess up, I'm not going to leave you. So the love of Christ remains with us forever. Likewise, lastly, look at verse number 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. One of the reasons why we abide in Christ or one of the reasons why we stay closer with Christ so that we might have his joy in our lives. Now, I understand that not every time in our life, not every day in our life may be fun and a joyful time. Some parents have lost a child or some children have lost their parents. There's not anything joyful about that. I understand that. Sometimes we've lost our jobs. Sometimes we've gotten very ill There's nothing very joyful about that. But in the midst of our situation, we can still have joy in our life. Amen. Because we realize that the outcome of our life is not determined on the circumstances of our life, but the outcome of our life is determined on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen. So the neat thing about it is this, is that I can arise above my situation with joy, not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus Christ is and because he lives in me. Isn't that neat? It's wonderful to know that whether uh, whether people like me or not, God loves me. I may not like, like it if people look at me and just say, hey, you're just a Mexican you're no good, you're a minority, you're whatever. And it might bring me down, but I'm lifted up because I realize, whew, it don't matter to God whether I was born in San Antonio, lived in Indiana, lived in Austin, all God wants to know is that am I in your life through my son Jesus? And yes, I am. And he says, I love you. And I'm like, okay, that's better than John John down the street. Whether he likes me or not is no, of no issue. What, what matters to me is that God likes me. And I have joy in my life. Trust me, we're not going to have happy endings all the time, but we can have a joyful ending all the time because of the presence of the Lord. So what makes you joyful in your life? One of the things that makes me joyful in my life is the fact that I'm married to my beautiful wife these 32 years. Has it been 32? 32 years. She didn't realize how blessed she was when she met me. But, uh, um, but anyways, just play this way. They say the, the quickest way to a man's heart is through what? Through the stomach. Do you know where we met? At Wendy's Restaurant. Two Wednesday nights or two Sunday nights in a row. Are you singles from our church and the singles from her church? Had a fellowship together at a Wendy's in Corpus Christi? She's just going to keep her eyes off of me. So the joy of my life, just playing. the joy of my life, a a joy in my life is my wife, being being married to my wife, is my kids. For you, maybe it's that, and maybe it's your job. And, of course, it's your church, River Life, right? Oh, you have joy in it. But one thing, whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, or whether you're just now finding River Life Church uh, for the first time, uh, you can have a constant joy in your life, and that is Jesus Christ. So if everything else is stripped away, and you got Jesus, you can have joy in your life. As we come to this time of of Thanksgiving and of Christmas, we're always thinking about and talking about those things that make us joyful, right? Jesus should be that number one reason of why you have joy in your life. And when you have Jesus, you have reason to give him thanks all the time. But the reality is this. Not every one of us has Jesus in our life. In this room, those that have been coming here regularly, maybe you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you don't, you can. The Bible tells us very clearly that God sent forth His Son in order that He might go to a cross and pay for the sins of humanity. All of us have sinned. All of us have done wrong before God. And as a result of His holiness, of His sinlessness, and his willingness to go to the cross and pay for our sins and die and shed his blood and be buried and rise again, you and I have the opportunity to come to God the Father through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, <clears throat> thus allowing us to have eternal joy forever. And I don't know about you, if whether you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but if you don't, our prayer, God's prayer, is that you would. <clears throat> he's already done all the work for you. Isn't that neat? <laughs> Isn't it neat that he's already done all the work for you and all you got to do is just receive the gift that God wants to give you, right? He wants to offer you Jesus. And all you got to do is just receive him, right? You've got, you, don't, you don't have to do nothing else. You just got to receive him. And the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ is that he's willing to come to all of us. Whether we're a man or a woman, whether we're young or old, whatever the case might be, he comes to all of us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time and for this opportunity. And Lord God, we find ourselves as churches and as ministers encouraging people to, to come to faith in Jesus Christ and then to live the life of a disciple. There are times, Lord God, when we might think, well, what does that benefit me? Well, first of all, the benefits that we get from it are Eternal the love of Christ, the ability to be able to come to you at any time with whatever needs we have in our lives, the opportunity to be able to testify to other people that we are people of God. And it goes on and on, Lord God. But more importantly, the benefit that we have in becoming a child of God and being a disciple of Jesus Christ is that right there is that we get placed back into the family of God. I don't know about you this morning. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Has there been a time in your life when you said yes to Jesus? But you understand that you're a sinner in need of being rescued in need of being saved. That you understand that your life is not complete without Jesus. And that Jesus Christ is the only one that can bring you back to God the Father in a right relationship. That you recognize that you're outside of God's will and you want to be put back into the will of God. For that to occur, for that to happen, we just need to receive Jesus into our life. We just need to accept Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. If we would only repent of our sins, tell Jesus, I'm sorry for all I've done that separated me from the Father. Would you forgive me, dear Jesus? Recognize that Jesus is God, that He is the Son of God and the only one that can rescue you from your sin and its penalty. And tell Him, dear Jesus, I submit myself under your authority and by faith I ask you Lord God and I entrust my life to you. Come into my life. Take full control of it. Be my Lord and Savior today.